0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. On this show, we pull back the proverbial curtain and give everyone a peek at some of the people who turn great law firms into great businesses. I'm Amanda Copeless, and for most of my legal management career, I've craved an outlet to showcase the humanity of law firm leaders. This podcast is intended to do just that.
1: I'm Rob Joyner, VP of sales and marketing at Centerbase. I've been in the legal tech industry now for about seven years. And it's a huge honor to be able to reveal some of the stories and anecdotes from some of the legal industry's greatest minds. Today, we're sharing the mic with two consummate legal management professionals. Debbie Ellsbury and Mike Baumgartner Excel not only in leading law firms, but also in shaping the very fabric of the industry through their volunteerism with the Association of Legal Administrators. They both have risen to the pinnacle of the organization by holding the office of president. Are you ready to hear their stories? Here we go. Debbie, can you first introduce Mike for us?
2: I'd love to introduce Mike Bumgarner. So Mike Bumgarner is the president of the Association of Legal Administrators. He took over that role on May the 6th. Um, He is from Charleston, West Virginia, works for the firm of, what is it,
3: Mike? Flaherty sensible banasso.
0: <laughs> good move making him say it. Really <laughs> <didn't-> good move. <laughs> I support I that. I have
2: yes, I have read it a few times and I'm like, this is blah 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 blah. Yeah. So
0: um-
3: It's a challenge for everybody, including our receptionists at times. <laughs>
2: Oh so, yeah, I know not what role not to have in your firm. Um, so it's been my pleasure to work with Mike on the Board of Directors for the past forever years. I think this is maybe year five. Yep. Um, that we've served on the Board of Directors together, and um, I was very pleased to hand him the gavel on May the 6th when I stepped down as president and he stepped up. So <laughs> he, Welcome,
0: has very, he has very big shoes to fill, Debbie.
2: Oh, uh, they're only size eights.
3: <laughs> Be a little, snug. <laughs> a
2: little snug. But they're high heels usually. Uh,
3: yeah.
1: Now I oh, would pay money to see. Sounds like Mike. a good story. Oh, <laughs> I would pay story.
0: money to see Mike toddling oh, around in some high heels, I, that's I for think, sure. I think some money would fall and get hurt,
3: is what I think.
2: <laughs> he does have two brand new bionic knees, so maybe he could take it. That's true.
3: <laughs> I could, try to, I could try to see if they could tune them a little bit and you know, change my balance better than what, what it is now. All right, Mike. So now now your turn. So Debbie Ellsbury, she's the immediate past president of ALA. So she's the firm administrator for Threlkeld Stevenson in, Indiana, in Indianapolis. Uh, she lives out on a farm. She's got eight grandkids. And I've had the pleasure of working with Debbie for probably seven years. But so between my t- our time on the board together and then when I was a regional representative, I got to spend time with Debbie as part of that as well. Um, so I've been very, uh, very lucky to have Debbie as a, a, a mentor and a friend over these years to, to work with. Been a lot of fun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's so interesting how you come together with people that um, you would never normally work with just because of ALA, and I think that's really fascinating that you get to cross paths with people that you then, they become friends, right? They become close personal friends, or hopefully you guys aren't just pretending and maybe you will eventually (laughs)
3: That's, that's going to be what you two have to figure out. Is it true? It is. It's not really truth or dare, but is it truth or lie? (laughs)
0: Whoa, truth or dare. Okay. So I like to also talk about how I know you two and I do not know you guys nearly as well as you know each other. And so we've only briefly started working together. Um, I met Debbie, she says I met her before the time I met her, but, and that's probably true, cause I have a terrible memory. But the time I remember meeting her was at the annual conference in Grapevine. So she was walking around, she's a pretty big deal, you know, at the time. And it's after a night of, you know, hard work. And she's walking <laughs> through the hotel lobby and I'm standing there, doing more hard work at the hotel bar. And Debbie comes walking by, holding this like huge to-go container. And I was like, what do you have in that to-go container? She goes, oh, I have some brownies. And so I'm thinking, oh, you know, she has a couple of brownies in a big to-go container, and that's amazing. And she goes, do you want one? and i said well yes because it's a brownie and i've been working hard all night and it's been a long time since dinner so she opens up the box and when i say there were brownies in there there were brownies in there like you could tell she cleared off the end of a catering. <laughs> it was like catering is closing for the night and she's like well can i take a brownie home and they give her the box and she just you know, I mean, she could barely close it back down again. So I thought you
3: were going to say they were special brownies. That, that was something I didn't <laughs> we, know about Debbie. We weren't. Sure. We weren't oh. in Denver. If
0: we were in okay. Denver, different okay. story. Right. Okay. So anyway, she cl- I take a brownie or two and she closes it back down and she's like, well, headed to my room. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not going to pass out more of those brownies to other people working hard at the bar or you just she was headed up to her room. So I thought that was really uh, amazing. And I will always remember that we ate brownies together at 2 a.m. working hard after a long day of conference. 2
2: a.m. brownies
0: is the best. It's really, really good. Um, and so I don't have any great stories of meeting Mike. I just kind of walked into the room and he was there and I thought, well, okay, there's another guy. It's fine. Whatever. And, you know, not, not that you don't come off as a super fun person, but you weren't holding brownies and that, that's <laughs> great really- story, <laughs> it's
3: true. No. At 2am, I'm not typically, I don't have typically, if I'm just still up, it's not a brownie. No.
0: <laughs> but I do want to tell a story about Mike because I want this nickname that we have given him to now permeate across all of ALA while he is president so that anybody who listens, all five of our listeners, (laughs) will now be able to give this nickname to him. Okay. So what I've learned after I met Mike and he didn't have any brownies is that he um, is a very like hardworking, type A, works 18 hours a day, stress full guy and he relaxes sometimes but you don't look at him and think oh that's a relaxed and calm individual not <laughs> wait a minute this is going to turn into i don't a have role. a good
1: story about wow. you yeah <laughs> you're a
0: stressed hey. out Jesus, yeah. i'm
3: sorry I, I need to sign up for therapy now rob <laughs> yeah. is this an intervention <laughs> is
0: debbie am i wrong this is not no debbie support me here support me <laughs>
2: Uh uh uh. uh um. <laughs> I like you, Mike.
3: <laughs> but I like you, but where's the but, Amanda?
2: <laughs> However, <laughs>
0: Amanda's saying, not
3: wrong. Just saying, yeah. I might so little, I might be a little tightly strung, yeah. Uh,
0: so. We're sitting at dinner at a board meeting and this waiter walks up and this waiter, he's, you know, he's doing his job. He's he's doing a great job. He's, he's probably been out back smoking the wacky tobacco because you can tell he's like really, (laughs) Stoned. I mean, he's he's probably stoned. So he comes over to take Mike's order. Mike's looking at the menu, probably overthinking it, and he orders. <laughs> he does
2: know you, Mike? he
0: knows you. I know. yeah. And he orders, and the guy goes, "Man, you are tranquil like a river." <laughs> we all looked at that guy and was like. What did he say? Like, what What <laughs> words were that? Tranquil like a river? And so now, as long as I know Mike... I will always call him River because there are so many great songs that roll into this. And it just it's so counter to the actual person inside. Wait a minute, this is all not sounding like a compliment. Anyways, no, it's not. for anybody listening, Mike's new nickname is River. You can just forget the bum nickname and and go with this one.
3: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah, story right. so wrong great yeah it's hey so river
1: on. i mean hi. dude we'll see which, we'll see which one sticks through the rest of the that's episode that's true that's true all right so, so yeah. we usually like to, to start out although amanda's told a few funny stories already we, we like to tell a good story and you guys teased in the tech test this story about a haunted whorehouse in
3: memphis so when you first get appointed or selected for the board you start attending meetings in January before you actually become a full voting member. So my very first meeting was in Memphis, Tennessee. And so the first two nights, you know, we're there. And then uh, Saturday night, one of the, one of our fellow board members who had some family in Memphis talked about this haunted uh, whorehouse. That's like a, a place you go to in Memphis. So, we load up a van, an Uber van of, I don't know, six of us, I guess. Of course, i volunteered to get in the way back because, you know, I'm silly like that. It was like 10 o'clock. So then we go in and to say it was sketchy, uh, <laughs> would <was> an understatement. <laughs>
2: I thought I was going to
3: die that night. Yeah, it might have. I think being sketchy would be disrespectful. (laughs) To
0: everything else that's sketchy in the world. (laughs)
3: Sketchy is offended. Yeah. And the whole time we're walking in, I'm like, my head's on a swivel, which is probably, you know, not exactly like tranquil like a river. (laughs) And and Gwen, what the hell are we doing here? Um, Why did we do this? And why did we agree to come along? And of course the other's like, Oh, it'd be great. Come on. Have fun. David, Debbie, meanwhile, and I are both looking around. We get up to the second floor window uh, room with overlooking the corner. And the bar was um, the bar quote, you know, air quotes <laughs> was the guy with a 1982 TV, like a little three by three black and white with rabbit ears. They were watching a football game and the drinks are being served out of an Igloo cooler. That- <laughs> <laughs> and, Sounds and, safe. and the walls look like there had been fires before. And all I know is that we got a drink in a plastic cup and um, I'm looking out the windows telling Debbie, I said, I think if we, if we jump, I think we can make it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause if we jump right there, we'll hit that and we'll still make it and get out. But like, I'm losing my mind going, oh my God, why are, we're gonna die right here. ALA board dies. At <laughs> A haunted chest.
0: whorehouse. Yeah. yeah.
3: I wasn't so, sure
2: of the strength of the awnings.
3: <laughs>
0: Mike, did that you at least offer to jump first so she could land on you?
3: Um, like- I don't know. Actually, I don't know that we got that far other than everybody was laughing. Several folks were laughing at me going, you need to chill out. I'm like, no, we're going to die right here. I'm, like, I'm just saying we're going to die.
0: So uh, listen, you guys are making fun of me for telling y'all Mike is high strung. And then the funny story he tells is about him being high strung. Just yeah. want to just throw that out there. <laughs> well, I
3: mean, that, that, that was the story that we started talking about. And, uh, um, it is funny, with, particularly when we started questioning in the van, whether all of us were questioning the van, whether or not we were being hijacked in the Uber <laughs> as we were going to the location because we're like, we're not sure we're going the right place and they're not talking. This just doesn't seem right. <laughs>
2: And then, if you remember, when he gets there, he says, Do you want me to wait out here? I forgot about that. Yeah. Was... Like, are you people, your people Sorry. aren't from around here, are you? Yeah.
1: My well, mind just goes to uh, whose idea was this? Yeah. And why? Yeah.
0: Mike, yeah. were they serving Blantons out of that igloo? Um, or?
3: No. No. <laughs> No, there was no top shelf.
0: No top shelf. Nothing aged, or there were a lot of things
3: that were aged, but not
0: in the way you would prefer them to be.
3: It was a very, it was a very eclectic crowd. I mean, you just, (laughs) you just never know when you go, and it's obviously a destination. I mean, and that that was the thing that was so funny about it. I mean, gosh, it's funny now. It it was funny when we left. It wasn't funny while we were staying there. (laughs) Yeah, how long were you guys there for? too long (laughs) yeah that's about right yeah they
0: had to finish their drinks at least right like no no man no beer no booze left behind
3: that's right
2: right they paid two dollars for that
3: (laughs) it was the best two dollars ever so debbie can
1: you tell us a taser story
2: (laughs) I mean, you could bring that up, Rob. I just so happen to have a taser story. What
1: <laughs> Amanda may have tipped me off. Uh, no,
2: it's so- <laughs> one of those things that you go to ALA events and crazy crap happens sometimes. And you're just, you're, you're being good. Not always going and visiting untoward places in the middle of the night. Um, no, he's in New Orleans of all places and we were sitting on one of the outside balconies of uh, one of the eating establishments. It was a business partner event that they had invited the ALA members to, Setting outside with my spouse. We're having, um, we're having dinner. And of course, you know, I have, for people on this podcast who need to know this, I have the bladder the size of a pea. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: we would make yeah. good friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we're all aware of that limitation.
2: And anyone who's gone on a road trip with me is very aware of that. So, um, you know, of course, it's not too far into the evening. And, of course, I have to go to the restroom. So up I, you know, I get up, walk to the restroom. All I did, I swear to goodness, I walked to the restroom, not very far away. Went to the restroom, washed my hands like a good citizen before the pandemic. Walked (laughs) out of the restroom, sat down, and my husband's like, you are not going to believe what just happened. Like, what he goes. Well, I'm sitting here, and the guy starts running down the street. And a cop's, and each time he gets to a corner, a different cop takes off, tracing after him. He comes running down this street here, he comes around this corner. And In New Orleans, Bourbon Street is very lit up, the side streets are very dark. So he's on Bourbon Street, he comes right here to this corner, and he turns this corner. And about the time he turns this corner, the cop on this corner that picked him up. Catches up with him. He says he's right over there, and the guy pulls out his taser and he shoots him. He says, "You see the taser go?" <laughs> he says, the guy his hands fly up in the air. He falls down, face plants himself in the middle of the street. The paddy wagon pulls up. They pick the guy up. They throw him in the paddy wagon. The paddy wagon drove off. And all of this happened while I was in the bathroom.
3: Oh my gosh. So you're saying they're efficient, is what you're saying? <laughs> they
2: they've are had very plenty efficient.
3: of. Pra- I think so. Yeah, they've had plenty of practice.
2: They are very efficient. Plus, it just reminds me of how much stuff I've missed in my life
0: <laughs> because of your pea-sized bladder. <laughs> because of my pea-sized bladder. So, I'm hanging out
1: with the wrong people when I go are. to these conferences. Because you've said- been five times now.
0: You said on one of our episodes that you think we are all very tame at ALA and that our conferences are not like fun. And I really, I said this before, I just think it's because we don't want you there and you haven't been invited for the fun. So I promise at some point I will bring you along.
1: Sounds like I have to throw my own party.
2: (laughs) Well, Rob, you don't want to hang out with me because you'll miss it.
1: (laughs) Hey, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Amanda makes fun of me all
0: the time.
2: Well, we I on the going, "What happened?"
0: <laughs> Robin, I can't even make it through an hour long phone call when he's like, uh, "I gotta go." I'm like, where are <laughs> you gonna go? I'll be back. Okay, all right. Yeah, I got I a got. thing. Yeah, I got Yeah, a yeah thing. I gotta see a man about a horse or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> How does it go?
1: Oh, this is all too right. fun. All right. So this next. Uh, part of the podcast, we like to transition into some questions. And I'm just going to fire off some questions at the two of you. And and the first question I'd like to ask, Debbie, is for you. Okay. Um, Could you talk about, you know, a lot of people that listen to our podcast like to hear how people got from point A to point B in their careers. And so um, could you talk a little bit about your progression from an administrative assistant to now being the firm administrator at the firm?
2: Um, it's actually being in the right place at the right time sometimes. Um, it's all about you know, hard work and timing, I suppose. I first started out at a much larger firm um, and I was the assistant to the um, office administrator at the time. And then that firm imploded and <laughs> it just went every which direction. And so when that happened, one of the managing partners came up to me and said, I'm going to go out on my own I'm joining forces with these attorneys. We're going out as a group. Would you come with me and be my office manager? And I'm like, sure. I'm sure. So I go home and I tell my husband, hey, you're not going to believe what happened today. <laughs> I, I, you know, this is what happened. I got this new job offer. And my husband asked me, he goes, well, how much does it pay? And I said, um, I don't know. I didn't ask. <laughs> 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 He's like, what do you mean you didn't ask? And I said, well, surely it's not less than I'm making now. So, okay. So, yes, I didn't even ask um, what, the, what the job paid at the time. I was just like, sure, I'll, yes. And then I'm like, oh, I probably should know a few more things. Um, so, and then I've never looked back. I worked for the same managing partner for the next 20 some odd years. And he retired two years ago. Um, and I have a new managing partner. And so he will tell you that I'm training him. And I tell you that in some respects, he's training me because (laughs) it's a different dynamic because he's in a very different age group than before. And so it's been a very exciting transition.
1: So so Debbie, you know, I work with uh, a lot of firms when they're sometimes making a transition like that and somebody's being promoted from administrative assistant to now being the firm administrator when a firm splits up or, you know, something else happens. What were some of the biggest surprises for you or some of the biggest hurdles when you made that transition at first?
2: One of the biggest hurdles, especially if some of the staff come with you, is that you weren't really considered part of the management committee and the management of the firm and now you are and that different role that you play. And I will tell you that that is where ALA came in for me because suddenly I felt like a, a man without a country You know, I I wasn't the attorney part. I wasn't the staff anymore. And I ended up in a small enough firm that I didn't have peers. So all of a sudden, I'm like, who do I, I mean, stupid stuff, like who do I go to lunch with? Um, <laughs> you know, and I am, um, I'm an out loud processor. So I like to talk about my problems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to anybody who's in the bathroom next to her, especially.
2: <laughs> oh God, crazy, crazy lady, stop talking. I, we've never met. Yeah.
3: So. She's on Bluetooth, Yeah.
2: I have been asked more than once, do you have to talk to everyone? <laughs> and the answer to that is yes. But anyway, yeah, I, I, so ALA filled that void for me. I started to say felt that void. I'm like, that's not really what I want to say, but filled that void for me. And so that's where I, where I found my peers.
1: Were there certain areas or, or things within the ALA that you, you leaned into at first? So if somebody's making that transition, you know, this certain thing really helped you or is it just ALA in general and and being part of the community?
2: Well, for me, and see, my experience with ALA is very different than Mike's because I have a chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, that makes that experience different. So I found the local chapter um, actually, oddly enough, I think on the internet it had just started. I think it was still on stone tablets, but it was the very beginning (laughs) of the internet um, and I found the contact information. And so I called and they said, Oh, by the way, we have a, vendor event at that point you guys were no you were not business partners yet you were vendors we had a vendor event i'm at the convention center you know come on we'll comp your, your um registration if you'll just show up and so i walked into this convention center ballroom knowing no one and i will tell you the gremlins in your head just go nuts cuz you're like i don't even know any of these people i shouldn't be here i don't know what any of these people are doing but I took three steps into that room and two chapter members walked up to me and, and they knew my name. they have been watching for me because I was probably the one, you know, they look for a lady who's got big eyes and looks scared to death. That was probably <laughs> me. And they came up and introduced myself and spent the rest of the afternoon with me. And I was hooked. Uh-huh and those two people are friends of mine to this day and neither one of them are illegal anymore they both retired but they took me under their wing and i had this real um sense of belonging and that for me was super key and i never looked back so once i was kind of hooked in I, I went to a few more meetings, and I asked the president, hey, is there something I can do? Because, well, I'm nosy, and I like to be involved. And, <laughs> um, so I became the chair of the Community Connection Weekend, which I think that a lot of new people, that's the position they start you in. Yeah. Um, and um, so, I, yeah, I took that on, and a, a few months later, the treasurer resigned, and they said, hey, we got this new person. Let's go see if she wants to be treasurer. And then I just worked my way through chapter leadership, ended up in regional leadership, and then ended up on the board of directors and president, and now I'm past president. So it just kind of takes on a life of its own. And I just found that each step of the way I wanted, I wasn't done. I said, oh, what's next? What's next? What can I do? What, what's, what's the next thing I can do? What, what's the next thing I can
0: be involved in? Are you gonna be done after this coming year?
2: Well, unless I'm going to be president of the world, I don't
0: know. Debbie, I would vote for you as president of the world any day. Trust me. It would be amazing. Not you, River, but Debbie, definitely. I totally
1: understand that. (laughs) Okay, so Mike, I want to switch over to you for a second. Um, So based on my exposure to law firms, I, I noticed when I was doing... Uh, a little background research that your title is actually CEO. And usually when I'm uh, working with law firms, I haven't seen many non-attorneys that have that title. Usually it's a COO title. So could you talk to that a little bit, how you guys came up with that? or
3: Sure. Um, so how that happened is that our managing partner that hired me almost 19 years ago, uh, we started working probably four or five years ago. We started working on a transition plan, succession plan for him. And one of the things we kept running into was, and we had spent, uh, gosh, my the former managing partner and I had spent, I don't know how many times we'd surround the evenings and be talking about whatever, who's really going to be the next person to run the business. Not so much manage the lawyers, but actually just run the business. And so we ended up doing a, a succession planning Uh, project with Altman Wow, And as we worked through that project, we figured out who would be the next managing member. Uh, But what our management committee and uh, a couple other key people that that were owners, what we worked on was ultimately they wanted to tap me to run the business Mm -hmm. and try to take even more of the day-to-day and you know routine running the business operations from the lawyers and let them you know whether it's recruiting other lawyers or, or managing each other at times um they put a lot of trust in me to be the person to run the business for them so the thought was to change uh my title from ceo which i was COO before to ceo and give me a lot more authority to do things um, which is pretty, I mean, I I'm feel very fortunate. I'm pretty unique in that regard. They've given me a lot of um, ability to have uh, authority to do things without um, what at times a lot of us have to do. You go get multiple owners to agree to it or your managing partner to agree, and you spend a lot of time doing it as opposed to just getting it done. Um, <clears throat> it's been probably three years since we did that. Um, and I'm like Debbie, I had someone that had been a managing, had, had a managing partner that was around forever. And the new person that was tapped here had never, ever been involved in any, he'd been on business development committees at the firm, but had never been involved in managing it. Um, and he jokes like Debbie's managing partner that I was training him because the (laughs) first, the first year or so, um, it was, why do you do that? But why do we do that? It was just a lot of oh my God, I didn't know we did that, you know that kind of thing, and can you explain it to me? So um, it's been interesting having that transition. Um, and I, I agree with Debbie. I mean, part of, part of what is, um, I think, unique about our roles, whether you're a COO or, or a firm administrator uh, in a law firm, is that you really are not in either camp. Um, we truly are islands. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not part of the owners. Uh, we may hang out with the lawyers at times because that's where we end up doing things, uh, but we're not really part of the staff either. So everybody kind of looks at you like you're off on your own and you have a foot in both camps, but you're really not in
0: one of them. So, Mike, do you think that you we will see a transition to more firms using that title? Because I know when I came in the business, there were... COO was much more rare. And I've been in law firms for 16 years. And so I wonder if that's something we'll see more of, or do you think more firms should consider using that title for non-attorney leaders? I
3: I mean, I think it's, um, it takes a level of trust from the managing partner or the management committee that they trust whoever they put in that spot to, to actually run it and that they Trust that they know more about running a business than they do. Um, they also have to the managing partner or the management committee also have to be confident enough, confident enough to say they don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. and trust someone else to do it. Um, that I, there, it's kind of like comp, right? The compensation the way owners get paid. Everybody yeah. likes to do it a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, know, the, the way we're set up today, in five years yeah, if I have a new managing partner, they may be like, yeah, I don't want you to have as much authority. I mean, you just don't know because it it really is probably driven by um, who's in that role to be COO and who the managing partner is. And do they have enough trust in each other that it's going to work? Right. Uh, So I I think it's, it's a, almost a lawyer answer of, it depends. Um, I think there's a lot of advantage to um, attorneys letting someone that's Uh, a business professional take care of that side of the world for them, Mm -hmm. but they have to be okay with letting go.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about that. I I think we talked about it in our first uh, episode and it's kind of been a resounding theme about um, our positions running the business of law. And Rob and I talked about That title, and if we were in any other industry, it would be a given, right? That this art, this position would have that title, and so it is a, it is kind of very common in our industry where you're sharing leadership between a managing partner who is responsible for a lot of the, you know, uh, the revenue generating, and then to steal a title, we heard recently um, in a presentation, the rest of us are revenue enablers. And I think in, that's kind of unique to our industry. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so my, my follow up question would be similar to the one I asked Debbie. Uh, if I have this right, you actually came from a non law firm. Uh, you were not in a law firm before your current position. Is that right?
3: That's correct. That is correct.
1: So what were some of the challenges you faced? Uh, Transitioning into a law firm from being outside the industry?
3: (laughs) Well, my my favorite story. So, I was in, I had been in public accounting and banking, um, both uh, doing internal audit at one point and then running, helping run a mortgage servicing operation. And uh, what was interesting when I, uh, I used, when I was in mortgage servicing, I dealt with a lot of Wall Street lawyers for mortgage backed securities. So, I had had a pretty good taste of what it was like to deal with um, that particular group of folks. Um, but when I moved from mortgage banking into this law firm w- within the first week or two, someone, you know, I went to do a check and it was like, I don't know, $800 or something. And my controller at time said, well, you can't do that without the managing partner's approval. And I'm just shaking my head and I'm like, okay, that I'm like, well, first off, that's not right, but I, I'm going to clear this up. I walk down the hall and I'm. He's like, yeah. he's said, because I have a hard rule that anything over this dollar amount, I have to sign off on the check, not someone else. And I'm like, well, we're going to need to re-talk what authority <laughs> is because I could spend about a million dollars before on stuff without asking permission. So we're going to have to renegotiate this because this is not going to work for me. <laughs> um, you know, but I think probably the biggest the biggest challenge was. Um, you know, attorneys are very good at questioning people. And um, even if they know nothing about what you're talking about, they're so good at learn- where they've learned to argue and, and cut things apart. If you're inconsistent in any of your answers, um, they're great at picking up on that, even if they have no idea what you're talking about and they will shred you. Um, and I, I think that the biggest thing was just being always more mindful of, what exactly i'm saying and how i answer it a question i think that was probably one of the first challenges the second challenge i think was just trying to build up the level of trust and credibility that i do know what i'm talking about um
0: and that took a lot longer for you than it might for other people
3: it probably did because i'm <laughs> I am not I am not tranquil and <laughs> not just,
0: tranquil <laughs> they,
3: just, they just assume because i'm hyper or that i've got a lot of energy that maybe there's something wrong um but so I think one of the one of the
0: things I like to do throughout this podcast is just remind people how right I am. And so oh now that you've gosh. told your, <laughs> now that you've told your background about coming from an accountant background and working in tax and all of that, that should give people a much bigger picture of when I say that you are not tranquil like a river that is where, <laughs> <laughs> where it comes from. that is where it comes from yeah I just want to give some credibility to my uh, story there Well, see what that is I- the
2: name of this podcast again
0: <laughs> it is called mostly legal which uh-huh. means that we can talk about anything we want as long as we throw a little bit of legal in so okay. it, it's I-
2: not called Amanda's going to
0: prove yourself right <laughs>
3: Well, because I'm actually going to clarify No, she's called Amanda. Yeah. No, uh-uh, no. no, I no, have it,
0: agreed to let Rob put his name first because uh. – only because it sounds better, they all say. But, um, yeah.
1: Hmm. This not- was all originally my idea. Yeah. And she just ran with it.
0: Are you
2: sure?
1: I wanted Amanda to be a guest. <laughs> and she – turned into a co-host
0: I said the only way I'm going to be a guest is if my name is on every episode and he yeah. said I don't know how that can make that work but here we are so mostly yeah. legal subscribe now
1: and Mike I you know that's something that uh, to your <laughs> point about people poking holes I'm getting off the topic of a man. Okay. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: And, journey, Rob, and Rob, oh. just just to clarify, she was wrong about something. I just want to clarify that. I was, oh, never, I was never in, I never did tax work. I was only in audit. So, Oh, I
0: audit. Just, Sorry. Oh, oh my gosh. That's right, I literally soon. sat there and listened to your story and- tuned out because it was not about me and so I'm like okay i'm gonna start doodling now so, so yes
3: i just wanted to make sure that we clarified two minutes you were, ago
0: you told you us were, you were an audit and not tax, and here
3: i am hey
0: mike, hey mike right. don't
1: worry there'll there'll be an email string going back and forth in the next day or two as amanda tries to cut out things that she says incorrectly <laughs>
3: That's why, i mean it, it, had- it, it was long enough that we, i figure that helped rob you know yeah so yeah, now, I, now that we've clarified that she's not always right. There
0: okay. you go. There you All
3: go. Right. There you so, go. Back <laughs> to you, sir. This is fun.
1: This is fun. So, uh, Debbie, you know, you talked about your progression in the ALA Summit. One of my questions or my question for you, you know, you talked about how you kind of made your way through and you you, you, uh, you basically just took on different things. If somebody does want to progress into leadership, do you have any kind of advice for them on how to do that within the organization, the LA organization? Uh,
2: I, well, I think the term that you use lean in is probably the the very best thing to do. Um, You need to get out of your own way. I think a lot of people do not step up into leadership because they don't think they're worthy. Um, They're like, well, I don't know enough. I've never done that. I've never served in that kind of capacity. Um, and I think that for um, members of ALA, we typically like to know all the answers before we walk in a room. Um, and like Mike said, we have all the things prepared so that when we are barraged with questions on a management committee, we're ready. And so that kind of gets in your way when you want to be in leadership, because if you've I've said many times, I am not a professional board member. I have never been on a national or international association board before. Yet, here I was, and I will tell you, I sat there the first few meetings thinking, I do not belong here. You know, I think I'm the dumbest person in this room. Imposter uh, syndrome.
0: I, Imposter yeah. syndrome. Hey, you have, you have already talked to me down off of that ledge yeah. at least one time. But uh, so, so I realized I
2: may have been the dumbest person in the room, but I was still in the room. <laughs> and so, I had something to offer. And um, so that's what I tell everybody. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to overnight convince yourself that, hey, yes, I belong here. But you need to convince yourself that I am here. Uh-huh. So I've, I'm going to yeah. run with it. And I think that's one of the biggest things we need to get out of our own way. Yeah
1: a lot I think a lot of us struggle with imposter syndrome
0: oh absolutely
1: um, not just ALA members and sometimes when when I feel that way uh as I do sitting in the room with all y'all what I try to tell myself is you know almost selfishly hey I don't want to be the smartest in the room I want to be in that room because I want to learn from others
0: well Mm -hmm. congratulations like literally every room you walk in
3: Oh, that is wrong. Rob, why do you take this crap from her? <laughs> because if
1: you give her the reaction, yeah. then she wins.
0: You literally well, don't even true. react. Thank you, River, I for reacting react. to my joke. Rob mm-hmm. just lets it roll take, right I'm, off his
3: shoulder. Just trying to help Rob
1: out. I Thank don't you. She, she'll take shots or try to say things that are like out there, outside, you know, just kind of crazy and – I just keep going on with my day. Yeah, and it really bothers her, and I think that's why we're friends. So, Mike, uh, you know, Debbie talked about how she got into leadership, and, and and she mentioned that you didn't necessarily have a local chapter. So, could you could you tell your story and how you've brought you know gone through leadership and and gotten to the position that you're in currently?
3: Sure. So, West Virginia does not have a chapter. I've, I've had peers that have encouraged me to start it, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Once I got into volunteer roles, I'm like, there's no way I can do this. There's not enough time while you're doing volunteer roles to start a chapter. I just couldn't, particularly as, at that point, my kids were much younger, but I, I had, so I, I passed the CLM exam to so the certified legal manager exam back in 2006. And some of my friends that I had met at the very first conference I went to, um, and had kept encouraging me to put my name in to volunteer. And so I finally did, and I got on the certification committee. And that to me was probably one of the, um, one of the best things that happened is that I got picked, um, I'd been involved in the state society CPAs here, my local chapter, but I'd never done anything with ALA. And once I got into the certification committee, I had a tremendous opportunity to meet even more people. Um, because you're on a committee, you get to do, you know, you get to meet other folks. Um, and then a couple people put my, you know, nominated me for being a, a regional rep and then ultimately the board, um, you know, back to that imposter syndrome, they saw something in me that, you know, I didn't necessarily see and, um, kept encouraging me to do other roles. And that's how I ended up getting you know, onto the board and be fortunate enough to get selected as president. Um, Other people seeing things in you that you don't always see. And, you know, it it was, um, you know, I think the thing that, and Debbie and I talked about this uh, when we had a a session for incoming president, you get to participate in this other education session and, um, you know, talk about not letting the gremlins be in your head, but, Try to be comfortable with who you are and and think through what you're saying to everybody. But it's okay to think different or to listen. Um, but, you know, people see something in you and they put your name in. You, know, you have to respect that and try to do the best you can whenever you get an opportunity to participate
0: both of you have taken on roles that are huge time commitments and you still have a paying job that you have to do. So tell me, how do you fit it all in and how do you convince your firm to let you fit it all in?
3: um, My firm initially did not want me to get involved in the certification committee way back when, back in 2009. And Ultimately, I told them, look, if you don't want me to participate, I will take my own vacation time because I think it's worth it. And about three months in, when I was able to talk to another friend through ALA and get some information, that whole um, attitude changed. Um, It became, well, now you have connections to be able to find out answers, even Mm -hmm. if you don't know it quickly, um, which we all have made our personal connections, even if you're not in a chapter. Uh, but if you're in a chapter or meet people at conference, you make your own personal network and you're able to reach out and get answers to questions, whether it's on the community's web page, your website or talking to friends. Um, it's a pretty significant time commitment. The, the thing that, um, I, and Debbie probably will remind me how much I, uh, that we've still challenged our challenge with this, is really trying to be mindful to say no every now and then when people ask you to do stuff. Um, Oh, you're
2: not allowed to do that. Who told you
3: that? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but, but or I can't do it here, but I can do it then. And and I have become, um, looking at my calendar, not just a week out, but like six or seven or eight months out, trying to, you know, I block out a lot of things um, to try to make sure that I, you know, take time to go do something or that I can try to respond timely or as best I can. Um, my firm has been very supportive of the fact that I do have every day now, um, a lot of time with LA and but they know that I'm going to probably still work later, or I'm going to right. do at night or do stuff on the weekends. Um, I just try to juggle my schedule as best I can. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of other things. You can't do other things,
0: but right. try to figure out when you can do it. Right, you use your vacations, like you said, to go to conferences because otherwise you're just out of the office so much more than you wanna be, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, so it's, Debbie, it's... same question to you. Uh, you're coming off of your year of presidency. Now you, some people say you didn't get the full experience because you didn't have to travel as much uh, like some of the other years because of COVID but you still had the work commitment. And of course you had an even bigger challenge of being on camera all the time <laughs> and being in the center of attention. And so, but tell me how you dealt with your firm and how they have supported you. Um,
2: I've been very, very fortunate. My firm has always been very supportive of ALA. Um, even when I was just a member that just attended comp- or lunches and conferences um before i got into the leadership part of it they were like sure you know because you know you take a lunch and that's a two-hour lunch i mean where are you going i'm gonna really be gone for two hours so. okay right. um that kind of thing so it, it worked out very well but i will tell you that i am the biggest cheerleader for ala in my firm everyone in my firm knows ala mm-hmm. um everyone and so I, ALA gets credit for every wonderful thing that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> some of it they maybe don't even deserve the credit for, but they got it. You know, I, I read it in an article. Well, where'd you hear that great thing? At ALA, even though, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but anytime, you have just
0: outed yourself to your whole firm, just FYI. Yeah, well,
2: I, I'm past that now. Um, But every time that I saved a nickel because of ALA, by golly, they knew that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it got to the point where, you know, people were standing in my doorway going, so what do your ALA folks say about whatever? And I go, I don't know. Let me see. So it became actually them coming to me going, what is ALA doing about or what does ALA know about this? What are your ALA peeps doing about, you know, something as ridiculous as, you know, the Friday after Christmas? Because, you know, <laughs> you want to know what everybody else is
0: doing. Is everybody else closing early? How many really? other firms are closing early? Right, what days are they outside. giving off for 4th of July this year since it's right. on Friday, right, or Sunday?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and but some of them was even big thing. You know, what software is somebody using? And so, I'm, well, let me reach out to some of my ALA peeps. Um, I needed a conference room in St. Louis one time. And they go, I don't know who to call. I go, oh, I got that. So
3: <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know somebody. Yeah,
2: I know, That's I somebody. know people. Yeah, I know some people. So that really became the, the mantra. And so when I went to them and said, I want to put my name in, you know, along each level uh, that required more and more time commitment, um, I was very supported. Now yeah. last year, you know, I. Right as I was selected as president-elect, the, the announcement of the change of ownership of the firm and the change in the management of the firm was going to happen at the same time. So I went to them and I said, oh, just by the way, I have this thing that I'm kind of committed to and I hope you're okay with. Um, luckily, he said, yeah, fine, whatever. Just, you know, It was more like, as long as I get my job done, they didn't care when I did it or how right. I did it, as long as it was done and um so it did require some funky hours it also required i have a glass door to my office so people would walk by my office and i'd see them out of the peripheral vision they're looking in you know and i see people go ah because you know i'm on camera yet again you know i'm sitting here talking to my computer monitor by myself and they're like they don't know whether i'm actually talking to anybody or just myself sometimes And you're like maybe she's just gone off the deep end but yeah, they, they, they tolerated <laughs> it very well, very well. And I, That's I, I couldn't amazing. ask for a, a better experience than that because it is a lot.
0: It I is a lot, yeah. yeah. So,
1: so my last question, and Amanda, I'll throw you in there as well. Oh, no. I'd love to hear what your favorite uh, ALA conference was. And if you have a story to go along with it, I'd love to hear that as well.
0: I can't imagine we have to choose one. That's going to be really hard. So I'm not going to go first because I really need to think about this. So, uh, Debbie, do you have one you could start with?
2: Oh, I mean, I have funny stories from each one of them. Right. <laughs> um, I, 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 I'll, okay, I'll tell a very funny. I love Nashville. And so I love Nashville. And when we were in Nashville, the very anything was we went to um, – a Rick Springfield concert at Emmons Auditorium and then several of us went out um, afterwards we're having a good time and finally you know at two o'clock in the morning I didn't have any brownies like before and I was <laughs> starving and so there's a whole group of us um, that are together starving um, in the morning and we want something to eat and so we go into this little hole in the wall place the only place that's open at two o'clock serving food we look at the menu and actually I won't out her, but it's someone who's very high in ALA right now, standing next to me. She goes, "What? What are you going to eat?" And I go, "I found the perfect food. It was cheese whiz and tater tots."
0: I know <laughs> exactly. You know what? I don't even have to wait. Finish your story, and then I'm going to guess who it is.
2: <laughs> yes. So we enthusiastically ate cheese whiz and tater tots. It was the best cheese whiz and tater tots ever. And so we're sitting there and it's a whole group of people and we're talking about Rick Springfield and we're trying to determine, you know, has he been arrested? Does he have a drug problem? He looks pretty good. How many plastic surgeries has he had? And we're going through all of these questions about him. We're Googling him and we're yucking it up and we're having a great time. And there's guys in a booth behind us. And finally, one of them looks up and he goes, yeah, you ladies are funny. And I go, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And I said, We've just been to a Rick Springfield concert because we still have our little flashy bling bling thing on. And he goes, Yeah, I know. I'm the bass player. <laughs> We all kind of shrunk down in our seats, like, what did we just be talking about? <laughs> Didn't we just talk about is Rick Springfield cheated with his wife? <laughs> like, we were just, you know, awful Googling him. And so we're like, oh, my goodness. Yes, it was his bass player. And the guy, and Then one of the other ladies says, I'm oh, the other guy. You sold me my T-shirt I have on. <laughs> he Rob,
0: did you just Google who Rick Springfield is? I'm, I'm doing that now. Oh, so, you did not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's only did because you know. admitted
1: that you did it.
0: You did it. He too, does look you? like
1: he's had a lot of plastic surgery. Yeah, does
0: I'm Googling it right now. Uh, okay, Mike. So, uh, same question for you. What, what is your favorite ALA favorite conference? Favorite one.
3: I don't, I mean, I don't know that there's one favorite. I mean, I've enjoyed them all because there's always, I'm like Debbie, there's always a great story out of all of them. Um, Seattle was a really good time. Oh yeah, it was, I mean, I I got to do a bunch of touring with a friend of mine. We went to a ball game, got to a bunch of business partners. Got, uh, was part of a group that might have persuaded a shuttle bus driver, not like the small shuttle bus driver. We had been at a business party function, partner function, and it was, you know, a huge uh, Prevost, Greyhound bus, whatever they are. And so when we got back to the hotel. Maybe 20 of us chipped in and convinced the driver to take us to another location <laughs> and dropped us off, which was hilarious when we think, you know, I think about how we managed to talk this guy into doing it. But um, I don't know. I'd never been out to Seattle before. It just was a great time. But I mean, gosh, there's been so many good conferences. Mm-hmm. And the next
2: one's always going to be the best one.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody's going to be so, so excited to be out and get to reconnect in person. You know, because for a lot of people, that'll be the first time in you know, two years, maybe they've seen somebody.
0: I'm going to drag you to every sketchy place in Austin. Just be prepared for that.
1: <laughs> Amanda, <laughs> I was literally just going to say, I don't know if people want to avoid
3: Amanda in Austin because <laughs> they're stopping around yeah. or tag along. Hey, hey Rob, are you going to be in Austin? Maybe we can go somewhere else. I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> That's <laughs> not a uh, bad America. idea. <laughs> Stay away from Amanda.
0: So I've been trying to figure out what my favorite conference is. And I told a story about CLI in uh, Carefree, Arizona. I already told that story. And I have one from Nashville. And we have, I think, Vegas in 2007 was my, I know, because I'm a huge. I could have just looked at a
1: list of, (laughs) uh, of locations and picked this one out.
0: It, but it's kind of a, there's a, actually a very personal reason why it's my favorite. And the reason it's my favorite is because I had just finished going through a divorce and it was a really shitty divorce and I got treated really badly by the person that I was married to. And, you know, whatever, it's fine now. I'm, I met the right guy and we have beautiful children and so it's all good. But digressing, the <laughs> Vegas conference was kind of my coming out party I don't know if that's the best way to put it but that's kind of what it was and we have one vendor in ala who is very famous or infamous for throwing huge parties every year and I won't ca- call them out but anybody who's listening knows that they hand out dollar bills with the owner's face on it and that's how you buy drinks and so this year we had a they had like a party and they had a Pussycat Dolls cover band as their, like, you know, the band at the party. And I stayed at that party until probably 4 a.m. And it was a good time. And it's funny because I don't remember who else was there. I do remember just drinking copious amounts of alcohol and dancing and what I should not be dancing to this type of music. And, you know, I, ev- that does sound like every conference, but it is one of my favorites. And I think I actually think at that same vendors party in Seattle in 2008, I did karaoke to my favorite karaoke song of all time, which is Baby Got Back and so I'm hoping none of neither of you were at that party because it's kind of a little bit of an embarrassing situation but
3: that's how I knew who <laughs> you
2: were <laughs> I just feel the need to interject right now that we have some great educational sessions <laughs> right
3: that Not was an ed-
2: some of the world renowned educators Debbie, in this area. Debbie, it was
3: an educational session right. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea that kind of karaoke happened
0: just no, you're you're right, Debbie. Sorry, <laughs> conferences are very great for also building a wealth of educational knowledge. If you don't already go, please go
3: to an LA conference. Absolutely. Plenty of time for idea exchanges.
0: Okay. So this is our very last segment, and this is the segment called Pitch Your Passion. And in this segment, we're going to give you two minutes or so to talk about something you are passionate about, whether it's a charity, whether it's uh, an organization, whether it's something at work or in legal management, whatever you want. And so, Mike River, we're going to go with you first.
3: Well, I I think um, it has to absolutely be ALA right now just because, um, I mean, I've talked about it before. If it had not been for the people that I met at ALA, I don't think I'd be where I'm at right now. Um, I think it's changed me both personally and professionally and uh, look at the world so much differently. Um, I, I think it's something that you do get. I mean, we spend time, you know, we were talking about how much time we spend. I, I think every bit of time I put in this is well worth it and I still have uh, need to give more back for how much I feel like I've gotten out of it. Um, it to me, that is probably the biggest thing I would pitch uh, because I, I think it's uh, such a great organization and, and you can meet some really great people from all over the place and um, you know that's it's what I'm very passionate about right now.
0: Debbie, did he just steal yours? Well, I mean, you know, I'm
2: sitting here thinking. You just asked the president and the immediate past <laughs> president, yeah. whose whole life is centered around ALA lately, yeah. uh, what what they've been passionate about. They really haven't had time to have passion about it, much. of anything And else. it's
0: funny because we still have the executive director of ALA on an episode, and so I'm going to have to tell her that can't be her passion.
2: Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, you know, it's funny. I, I'm going to share something that um, Mike has done a very good job of controlling himself throughout this entire conversation because he knows this. But, you know, so I'm now the immediate past president. And so, you know, I have a little more time on my hands than I had before. <laughs> and so my husband and I, we did this thing. We bought a convenience store. <laughs> That is um, like five minutes from my house in a little town on a state road. It's called Mom and Pops. And so I am now mom of Mom and Pops.
3: So she is now passionate about...
2: Convenience stores. All the vices that... I call it the vice store. It's a store full of vices. And uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's going to be fun. So that's, that's what, what I De- decided De- to fill my time with. You know that I don't have all this ALA stuff to do now. Debbie, I just
3: amazing. figured out we. I figured out a new name for your store. I, uh, I
2: can't. I can't change the name. Yeah, sure, you can.
3: Mom no. and Pop, Mom and pop's Vices. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a good one. That's like that's a good passion. All right, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys both for your time today. We had a really good time and we, you know, hopefully will you know, build up some more stories in the future.
3: Sounds good. Thank you guys for having us. It's
0: been my
2: pleasure.
1: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.
0: You can also check us out online on the Mostly themostlylegalpodcast.com where you can sign up for our email list and you can get weekly recaps as well as some cool takeaways from each episode.